This podcast contains some terrible chat and some very mild bad language. Thank you for listening. Let's nail it. First time. Impossible. I know. Grant's Gardens sponsoring the podcast. <laughs> Don't cough through this. Sponsored by Grant's Gardens. We are not well. This, right? is, <laughs> if if <laughs> this is a COVID-free podcast. <laughs> Rubber crumb. Sorry, Paddy. Continue. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Chieftains Chat. Joining us this week is Chris Davies, Paddy Boyer, and Gregor Hunter returns. Finally. Well, uh, good to be here. Excellent to see you, Gregor. How have you been? Uh, good, yeah. Been back working at school, so back teaching, which has been pretty busy, and missed a nice weekend away at the, because I had thought I had symptoms of coronavirus, but I wasn't. It was just a cold, so I took the test and declared it negative today, so I'm, I'm fine. So you said you got tested. What did that involve? Like, I don't really know that much about how the test goes about, so what did you do? Yeah, there's two ways you can get the test. You can get the, the drive-through test or you can order a home test. I, I ordered the home test on Friday, got it on Saturday, and it's pretty, pretty... There's a video you can actually watch to, to see how we do it. There's basically a long sort of cotton bud and you you have to, to circle it around your tonsils for, for about 10 seconds and then the same up your nose for about 10 seconds. Then it's all back in a test tube and sealed and it goes back it's pretty easy you just get you get a kind of cardboard box and you fold up and, and put it together and then send it in a priority post box and you should get the results pretty soon I, mine's took about three days 72 hours which is about the maximum it should take but i think most people are getting them about a day after they they post them or the, i think it tends to be a little bit quicker for the drive-through tests but i think they're obviously really busy just now i think there is a definitely a cold going about that people are off school or off work trying to get tested for so do you think that's something to do with the kids as well mainly Must i know be. that a lot of teachers my mum's a teacher and she said that loads of the kids are off just with i think the kids cold. have all been at home for so long and they're all back in school and the weather's not been quite so good and it's it's easily passed around and it just shows you how easily it can be passed around luckily there's not many cases of coronavirus there is some cases but not too many um most of it's cold but there's a lot of kids who have been off school from that because they're obviously displaying elements or some symptoms of coronavirus they have to come off is your school are they wearing masks and things we are now so as of yesterday um it's mandatory to wear masks indoors or in social areas so yeah i'm i'm wearing i'm teaching outside obviously with pe so i'm wearing masks inside or whether they're getting changed they're doing registers and then as soon as you go out to teach we're and they're masking the pupils are in masks as well but as soon as they're in pe they take the masks off that's not too bad then so you would have missed the first session First of all, first pre-season official session last week then. Yeah, I was you? gutted to miss it. I was really looking forward to it. How was it, boys? Well, I mean, I showed Chris the outside, which was a pretty oh, no. bad mistake. <laughs> Tried to tackle, ended up pretty muddy. <laughs> 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 Enjoyed that. Thanks, Chris. I mean, there was the, the lines, I think, I don't know, the person who put the cones down, they like, yeah. I don't know, it was like oval shape, the pitch. So I looked... Yeah, I thought it just, it just showed I me thought a bit it too five metres, but it turned out to be about ten. So <laughs> definitely, Mark Kerr was putting those cones. Yeah, I just dropped the likely. dropped the clutch and just went for it. And poor Patrick, <laughs> poor Patrick was eating eating dust. Yeah, uh, what, what was it like training in bubbles, boys? How was that? Do you know what it was? It was actually fine. The way that the numbers worked, we ended up having like a, a game of touch. I think I think it was about fifteen of us 
14 or 15, so it was, it was absolutely fine. Um, it's, it's a bit odd, kind of when you go to your drinks break and stuff, not being able to mix with the other ones and stuff, and then being far away from the coaches and and things. But I think most boys were just that relieved to get Chuck a ball. Yeah, yeah, it was honestly great. We were just chatting about it with Gregor today. He's not obviously had a session yet. And just can't wait to get started. Must be a bit rusty, Gregor, are you? Likely, a little bit. I think it's great to just, you can play touch, even if it's in small groups. I mean, I mean, I didn't really think we'd be able to do that quite so so early, so obviously it's still in small bubbles, but to even just get out and, and play a bit of touch, I'm sure that the boys are loving it. I can't wait to get involved. Also, just being around the guys a bit as well, just, you know, been training on our own so much, um, or in twos or threes, but actually to go out and train in groups and get the banter again, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So last week's 1872 Cup wasn't as exciting as the week before, I thought. I thought it was quite quite poor. Paddy, what were your thoughts on that? I thought that, well, Edinburgh, not they put out a weekend side, but you, I think you could, Younger def- side. you could definitely tell that Edinburgh were kind of thinking, we're in the playoffs now, let's get through 80 minutes without having any injuries. Let's Obviously, I'm not saying they don't want to win the game, they clearly wanted to win the game, but Edinburgh, uh, Glasgow, sorry, definitely had a wee bit more t- to play for and to end their season on a high I would have said definitely a different mentality Edinburgh their game's this week isn't it the semi-final yeah. so it wasn't even if they had the week off to prepare for that so no, they're as you say they're wanting to get through it and, and make sure they don't get the injuries whereas Glasgow were finishing up for the season they kind of they still had a very strong team out and were wanting to finish that season on a high so quite a low scoring game but good good win for Glasgow to finish but Edinburgh have got their eyes on this week without a doubt so Charlie Sheil, who featured on the pod last week, was he is he expected to play this weekend as well? I think he'll be on the bench, bench most likely. I think he'll be on the bench. Yeah. Um, but I mean, to be the performance he put in when he came on last week and only have done him done him good. And then I think I thought he actually played well when he was on this week. I just thought Edinburgh struggled. They're under the cosh. Like Glasgow's forwards, like were good for sixty minutes, like scrum pens yeah. all over the place and. To be fair to Glasgow, I thought they were really good for 60 minutes this week. Charlie, Charlie got put on under a lot of pressure when he was box kicking. Did you notice he got the last one, the last play of the first match, charged down? Rob Harley and Scott Cummins were on him like a rash. But I thought he did really well. And shout out to Frosty, who got on for the last 15. Thought he did well. Looks good in Edinburgh top, built up a bit since he last played with you, Gregor. We just said that. We just said, uh, yeah, it's good to see him. He's putting a wee bit of weight. He was a very skinny lad a couple of years ago when he was playing for us. But it's good to see those guys getting games. Um, especially because the new season will kick off very soon. We were just saying actually about young players that um, on the way through, I, I read a thing on Twitter, somebody said that the Premiership needs to embrace the the games every three days because um, obviously they've been playing Saturday, midweek, then Saturday again. And we're saying that I think there's only maybe Exeter at the moment that can put out a decent, I say decent, like a competitive squad two times a week. I mean, what, I don't know what you guys think. They've got the strength and depth. Like we saw it happen to Leicester at the weekend. They put out a really young team and it was a great experience for them and everything. And the boys went on, like I had a few mates playing there that are also at uni with me, but they, I mean, learning experience as they say, because it didn't end too well. Yeah, I was going to say, is it a good experience to go out and get absolutely hammered? If, you, if you're a young player, ideally you want to play your first few games with a lot of experienced players, yeah. but it doesn't tend to happen that way. You tend to find you know, whether it's international players away or whether it's, you know, they're, they're resting first team players, you tend to find a lot of the young guys play at the same time, which does make it more challenging for those guys. What was your experience like, your first ever 
Um, like experience of playing pro rugby, Gregor. What was that like playing for? Who's at Glasgow? It was in Edinburgh. Uh, it would have been 2011. It was actually just when the the World Cup was on. So that was where I was playing. It was kind of a lot of young guys were playing. A lot of the World Cup players were away, and it was it was actually brilliant because we still had some experienced players around that didn't go, um, you know, for injuries and pre-season etc. And we we had because in the league, I guess. When it's World Cup, all the other teams are in the same position, so they, a lot of teams had a lot of the first team players away, so there wasn't so much pressure on it. Obviously, we wanted to win the games, but it was just great to, to play in, in that environment and yeah, play with the guys I was playing with. It was difficult. I, I ended up playing probably six or seven games in a row, which probably at that time was a bit much. I, I kind of wasn't. I didn't feel like I was consistent enough, and I had a couple of poor games. I didn't play as well as I'd like to, but ideally you play one or two maybe have a couple of weeks rest and build into it slowly I just played all of them at the same time which is quite tough but no it was a brilliant experience because I, I think um, I, mean, I don't know about you guys but you look at professional game now and this might be a wild start or whatever somebody said when especially the forwards after a game it's like having been through the collisions that you've already been through is like being in a car crash Yeah. so if you're asking somebody to play two games in a week I mean for me that's not feasible I've been at points throughout my fully amateur career where I've played on a Saturday I've had a bad shoulder there's absolutely no way that my body would allow me to play again on a Wednesday so you're asking somebody who's tackling guys who are what 100 plus kegs as a standard to do that twice a week I just don't think it's it's manageable I think at professional level there's, you can't expect players to play twice a week I think the, the collisions as Paddy said you can only play twice a week and it is testing their squads and you see, as Chris said, Exeter is obviously the strongest overall squad, and that's why they are still competing even when they're the resting the first team players. But it is making for some games being a bit of a non-event. I think Worcester got beat by fifty points at the weekend. Um, it, it's not ideal, but I guess in this situation they want to get the league finished, and it's the best way to do it. And the the one positive is, as we said, the younger guys are getting some game time, which is a positive for those players. Like when I was at Loughborough. Boys love, the boys love me chatting about love. I was playing Wednesday and Saturday, but most of the time I was on the starting on the bench each time. But so I didn't really get that much sort of knocks and bumps as such, and it never really amounted to over eighty minutes a week. So I think you can do it for a short period of time. I, I remember a couple of times when I was my first couple of years down in Glasgow, we played like a I played a first fifteen game, and on the Sunday we played a development game. But like you say, you'd never play two full games. Especially as a youngster, you can do it. Yeah. Like your body can do it. And in the backs as well, you can do it. Like I was covering sort of 10, that sort of thing. And it's not too strenuous a position. Sorry, Gregor, but it's not the most physically demanding said, position. Yeah, you're right. One of the things I used to find hard, though, was, um, was if I was involved in a professional game on a Friday, or quite often 24th man or on the bench and not playing and then going to play club rugby the next day, even if you're not playing the warm up the adrenaline the caffeine you take and if you've got them for 10 minutes you'll still be shattered the next day I found that pretty difficult the, the crug the crub rugby the crubber at the rubber the crumb. crubber <laughs> still the best pitch in the UK the rubber crumbler but I think do you think it's partly to do with they're wanting to, they are wanting to make it like a it's, there's more money involved isn't it it's a business now, so you're thinking it's going to be a global game, Wednesday night games, all that sort of stuff. I don't know, just trying to do it to get the week finished, though. Maybe, I don't oh, know. Hopefully it's not a thing they plan on doing okay. after. Hopefully not. If anything, I think you should have less games and make the games, you know, bigger spectacles. Right? They want the best players played, they don't want to be playing mixed teams, I think. Do you think Sevens, the Sevens programme provides an opportunity to get the best players playing 
to then maybe prepare them for 15s at a later date sort of thing definitely but then so I, I look at sevens and I look at players that are playing 15s now so just Scotland you're looking at like guys like Darcy Graham George Horn all that who absolutely burst onto the 15 scene that's because they were really really good on the sevens scene first and that maybe like you say it's a, it's a shorter kind of game time but it gives you real intensity I think while you're away and stuff and it's a, it's a grown up thing gets you good exposure against world class players but in a manageable environment it highlights it highlights some something your skill level especially like you're you're passing you're tackling like one on ones you're not defending with two metres each side of you you're defending with ten five ten metres each side of you um, your evasion there's a lot of things that highlights that especially for your George Horns or your, your back three players it's great development for them as young guys coming through to, to play before they play professional rugby I'll just stop you there because Katie Donaldson has just walked in and joined us on the podcast. Hello, Katie. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are we? Yeah, good, thanks. So for those of you who don't know, Katie Donaldson is the women's captain and uh, will be joining us for the rest of the pod. So, Katie, have you been up to much during lockdown? Uh, I have not, really. Um, I was on furlough from my work and uni was finished, so I just spent time working on my fitness for rugby and uh, spending time with the fam and things like that. It's I believe you uh, you started a, a little fitness page, did you? I did, indeed. And you did pretty well, I believe? Yeah. Do you want to uh, let listeners know what you what you did? Well, I've just been losing weight. Well, I'm still on it, so I lost two stones so far. Nice. Really? Uh, really nice. Scaly found it, did you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, thanks, Paddy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a bit more to go I reckon, and then. So what's your handle on Instagram for that for the listeners that want to <laughs> log on? It's uh, KTD Fitness. Pretty boring. Oh, free plug. How many uh, followers do you have there? <laughs> Got a few thousand. A few yeah. thousand. A thousand. <laughs> thousand. Good get the, get the, get the podcast shared on that this yeah. week. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Get the listens up. Listens up from ten to twenty. <laughs> No, that sounds good. Well done, uh, Katie. And you were obviously part of that um, the women's effort in the challenge last week then at Chieftain, so that's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, somehow we won that. What did you What did you do? I, um, I well, I did the crossfit part. We did, I think it was something like, I don't know, 150 burpees each. What was it? 150 press-ups? Yeah, you guys smashed it, to be fair. What did you find the most difficult part of it? Oh, the press-ups. Press-ups. My sh- I actually couldn't, like, tie my hair up. I couldn't shower for, like, three days after. That's tough. Wash my hair, It was tough, yeah. I was really, really sore after. But it was good. And we got a trophy from it, so... Good effort. So, this week on social media, a campaign appeared for hashtag I am enough. Paddy, you more know more about that? Yeah, so... Uh, it was pretty big on Twitter, actually. Ireland launched their new uh, jerseys online. Well, Canterbury launched them. And they used, for the, the male jerseys, they used, kind of, I think it was Conor Murray, uh, a couple of, you know, the full Ireland squad. And then for their women's jersey, they actually used models as opposed to the, the women's team, um, which, you know, went down really badly. I think it was kind of picked up on by a lot of people, but then I think most notably, actually, one of the, Scotland women's team, uh, Rona Lloyd. Lupper graduate. <laughs> oh. 
Sorry, I couldn't help myself. Um, yeah, she she picked up on it and she kind of tweeted Canterbury and kind of you know uh, asked what that was was all about and they actually they answered it and ended up putting a, a statement apologising. But I think it's always a bit late once when, when it's done. The damage is already done. Um, yeah. And I know Scotland changed theirs, didn't they? So, so what, do, what do you think so of the whole thing, Katie? I think um, I think it's important that they picked up on it. I think it's a real shame because, you know, for boys, um, I think it's quite easy for them. There's a big, like, stigma around women playing rugby. And uh, to, for wee girls to look up and see, you know, people wearing um, the island strip and it just to be models, I think it's a shame. Whereas for the boys, you know, it's probably their inspiration. It's these big players so I'm glad they picked up on it and I'm sure Alan said they're gonna eh, the Canterbury people said they're gonna get the proper players in from now on which is good I think you're right cause I, I think more than anything it's just such a massive opportunity missed mm. so I mean like you say it, it's it's really easy for a boy growing up and saying well there's Conor Murray well I'm gonna grow up and you know, I'm going to play like him there's Paddy Blair <laughs> you're probably, you probably about 35 when I was a junior. <laughs> oh, all right, here we go. But no, here um, it's it's just it's such a massive opportunity missed it to for a for a young girl to look up and say, well, who's that? And you're like, well, actually, yeah. it's, it's not one of the team. And that's why I think when you look at Macron's launch of the Scotland kit, they've absolutely nailed it. Mm. Um, you know, they've got Megan Gaffney. I think they've got. Is she the captain? No, but she's a very fast winger for. Very good. Good player, actually. Yeah. Yeah. She's... Um. So. It's just such a, a change and a different dynamic. Like, she's on the main billboards with the Scotland players and part of the main advertising campaign. I just think it's it's Scott such a great thing. Scottish rugby have used the uh, women players for years. Yeah. They've they've never used models. So obviously, I used to work for them. It used to always be the captain or another, um, which is always good. Yeah. I, I think. Um, I think girls especially need need role models. You know, like I suppose we were all playing it as kids. <clears throat> Certainly, I, I remember. I don't think there was really a lot of girls playing, but now at Curry, there's there's a lot of younger girls playing and and joining, and, and I hope they enjoy it. You know, because it'd be really good to get women and men at the same pay level, same sort of. It's never going to be the same sort of standard. Like, I think. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's there's never going to be as many women. No. Um, but it'd be good to get close to it. So obviously you're pretty heavily involved in the women's side here at Curry. Can you tell us a bit more about it? And Yeah, well, I mean, we haven't even been around a year yet. It was around this time last year we thought, um, we were playing a bit of touch and we thought maybe we should actually make a women's team. Uh, so we did a launch night in November, which nobody came to. I think we had like me and one other girl, Jackie. And our coach and Susan as well, the manager. Um, better, than, better than no one. Yeah, but as in nobody else turned up, we'd ah, organised okay. this whole night and nobody came. And for the first few training sessions, it was just the four of us, so I didn't really think we were going to get anywhere with it. And then people just started coming along, and it actually started to get really good. We were like progressing really well, and I think like it's a huge mix of women. Like there's mums, there's like people my age, students and things. So. It's really good, but obviously COVID got in the way. So Katie, um, how many players have you currently got in the women's squad? At the moment, we've got about 14 or 15, uh, which is great considering it's only been a year. That's and we've missed really six good. months, so it's actually really been about six months. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll get a few more this season. 
and uh, we'll keep progressing. And for those that might want to join, what days do you train? So uh, it's going to be on a Tuesday at the moment. Uh, we're hoping to get two days, but at the moment it's just a Tuesday at half seven. At Millennium. At Millennium, yes. Super. So all you budding rugby players, get on down. Get all the chief heads. A good social life as well. Um, out. If you've got any questions, the women have got a Facebook and Instagram page, so yes. check that out. But yeah, no, I, th- I think it's it's massively important that we're talking about being a global game. It's hugely important that women get involved. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think it's really hard for them to get involved. Like, if if it was around when I was younger, I would have loved to get into it. Um, that's why I always said to Dad, I said I wanted to play, and he said, "Well, just make a team at Curry," and here we are. At least one of his four daughters is <laughs> playing rugby. I know. <laughs> Well, kind of. For background, Katie's dad is Sally Donaldson. <laughs> the curry coach. Ex curry player. Nice. But no, like, so the, the seven series for women has come on leaps and bounds. So I think, I don't know if all their tournaments are now mirroring the men's, but a lot more are. Yeah. And yeah. even the TV cover just now, so they actually changed the format of some of the sevens last year to make it a shorter men's tournament to allow for more kind of TV coverage for the women's and stuff. And I just think that's like such a massive jump. Yeah. Because you're you're talking going to somewhere like let's say Vancouver where you played and you're what thirty forty thousand people, and because of the nature of sevens, you've got 34, 30 or forty thousand people watching a women's sevens game. Just great. And there's no reason why it can't happen. I mean, if 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 Sydney, I was at Sydney do it. I know. I think Hong Kong do it as well. Maybe I think, and I'm not sure, but there's definitely a few that do it. And it doesn't if these. You know, locations can do it. Everyone can do it, and the, the women's uh, seven tournament's massive. Like some of some of these athletes are are amazing. Um, some of them got even more followers than the men on Instagram. They're they're doing really really well, and it's a, it's an amazing game to watch. Um, and it's really important that, that keeps growing because it, it really does grow the game. Like they can do it. But the proof is there. They did it with football. Like the football women's world cup was massive. So you know, I don't know if you guys know, it's the highest selling football jersey ever was the USA women's football jersey. Oh, but Me- Megan Me- Rapinoe you know, is, yeah. is just like a global superstar. Yeah. Like, she's the women's captain for the US. So that's the biggest selling jersey? Biggest selling football jersey ever. That's mad. And that's inc- across the both men's and women's format. Just show, it, it does just show you how, it, how important it is to grow the game, though, to be fair. Because mm. we're talking about sevens before, and um, obviously the, the men's... You see the Wales cut their team this week? Yeah. yeah. So England cut it two weeks ago, and Wales have just cut their team. So as in like fully so cut all cut the funding, board. yeah. What about um, the Olympics? Well, so World Rugby said that they've just put they've put a grant in of one point eight six million to kind of help these the teams kind of get through towards Tokyo and stuff. But I I just don't see how that's going to be enough. Could you see this killing the sevens game and killing the smaller nations perhaps? that I, rely on their sevens as the sort of main focal point. Like, sevens is bigger in Fiji than 15. Well, remember, Scottish rugby almost cut their sevens two or three years ago. Is that right? Well, I, I don't know, but obviously they've launched a strip this year, so they're definitely not getting cut. But I, I just think it could mean that... Are they going to go for a Great Britain team from now on? or? I think with England pulling out, it's massive. I think massive financially for the whole for the whole circuit. England are a massive money maker, and like obviously the Twickenham Sevens. I don't know what will happen with that if they'll keep that going. But so they've they've cut a few of the venues already. Have they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just this because of coronavirus. It's this whole year's just they're cutting tournaments, and that's why they put in the funding. Yeah. Okay. But I just don't know. I'd love to see it back at Murrayfield. How good was it when it was at Murrayfield? 
I actually thought it was better as a Scotsman. So did I. Or Scotland, yeah, Scotsman. Yeah. I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah. You're talking 18,000 packed out, especially in the, Glasgow have really upped their game since almost they lost the seven set. Glasgow have kind of, they've gotten better and the, the facilities are better and yeah. the kind of the out off pitch experience is better. So I think if it came back to there, that was a really good wee venue. And the party stand as yeah. well. Yeah. So good. I think it would be a real shame if the Sevens, the whole circuit took a dip because we spoke about, you know, how good the Sevens is for promoting players, you know, like in Scotland, you know, guys have came through it, but also for some of the smaller nations, they rely on it and it's also a massive way of growing the game, you know, countries like Kenya, countries like USA, you know, Chile, Japan, all these countries have, have come through the Sevens and do really well at that level. Um, to cut that would be would be really, you know, detrimental to, to growing the, the, the global game. I, I agree, and coming back to like what Katie was saying about when, when she was younger, if it had been about, she'd have played. My my wife is not a rugby fan in the slightest. Yet we went to Hong Kong Sevens. She kind of she picked a team that she picked Fiji, obviously best team. But anyway, she picked a team and kind of like every time they would come on, she'd get really into the games, mm-hmm. and it's easy to watch because it's just tries. There's no there's no stop and start. It's a lot more simple as well. You yeah. know, the scrums and lineups are quick. You don't have to understand the mall. You don't have to understand the scrums. It's it's in and out. It's quick. The ball's always moving. It's it's great and it's short. It's great to watch. Um, which kind of you know, 15s games in the middle of December can be quite tough to watch at times. I think we need we need sevens. I'd be ashamed to see that drop. I mean, I know that obviously you know these these governing bodies are, are losing money left, right, and centre, and they need to cut something. But it, it's a shame that. Especially the RFU have decided to cut sevens because you know England, England coming out is a that's a big, big backward step for the sevens. And it's now time for this week's Shree is a magic number. This week we are. Picking our top three players that we would like to play with. Starting off with Paddy Boyer. So I'm going to go with three that I would have loved to... They're all retired. I would have loved to have played with. I think first off would have been uh, Freddie Michalak. Just because he is so loose in terms of like... He didn't know what he was going to do next. And obviously being a nine, him at ten. I think would have been a great combo. What do you think, Scaly? I beg to differ. Okay. I'd like to play with him. Secondly, uh, another Frenchie, uh, Imanol Arinardouki, number eight. Yeah. Just see when you watched him play. Headband. Yeah. yeah it is. But just for a number eight, probably the most skillful guy you've ever seen. And like I think you've seen him against Scotland, did like a through the through the legs pass and stuff. But the guy was just so talented. And also his dad came onto the pitch and punched somebody once, which was fun. And then lastly, may as well go three at three French. Uh, I'm going to go with Vincent Clerc. So, just like, always off his wing, absolutely rapid, just a finisher, and just, I think that whole era of French rugby for me was, was uh, yeah, enjoyed that. So, three Frenchies, thanks Paddy. Uh, <laughs> did, Chris, you, did you know I'm French? <laughs> yes, I did. I've gone a bit different, something a bit further away from the homeland. I've gone for Quaid Cooper. Just oh, as, a, as a kid growing up, I remember just watching his highlight reels and going, I'm going to try that when I next go out and play. Have you and seen, it never worked. Have you seen him throwing like, he's like NFL? NFL yeah. Unbelievable. So, similar to that, Craig Cooper, another guy whose highlights I watched loads was Benji Marshall. Oh, yeah. Just, again, unreal footwork. So, again, I'd try that. Rugby it league. Never, it never worked. Still, 
No, he played a bit of 15s. Played yeah. for the Blues, yeah. And then finally, a guy with no footwork but a serious dog was Jerry Collins. Oh, yeah. Apparently, he's quite an interesting bloke off the pitch as well. I've heard some uh, stories. Heard some stories. <laughs> it's meant to be terrible <laughs> lid, though. <laughs> <laughs> but good bloke all around. So, yeah, that's my three. I would like to play with them, but. Uh, legend he was, yeah. though. Yeah. Bit of a legend. He's sadly gone now. What about yourself, Scaly? Uh, I'm going to go with first one being Ryan Wilson for Glasgow. I think he's um, just such a good player to have in the park. So niggly. I just think he's a bit like Marcel um, <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on the pitch. Uh, Shane Williams, Ooh, Welsh player. He was you've phenomenal. Got sim- you've got similar footwork. We do. <laughs> 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 oh, thanks. Paddy. That's two today's so <laughs> uh, we're like 2-1 no? and finally Bowden Barrett just to receive a crash ball off him would be would be pretty cool uh, Katie what are yours? Um, so my first one would be Rona Lloyd because uh, she's super fast I think she's been a bit of an inspiration throughout this whole I am enough campaign getting her word out there uh, also I would go with Helen Nelson Robbie's sister bit of a chieftain in there and she's also she's just unreal and thirdly i would go with portia woodman the kiwi she is class uh, yes yeah. she is good class. choice good choice literally tears all the other teams to shreds unbelievable yeah and finally gregor what about yourself uh the one player i've always loved and i would love always wanted to play with dan carter but my issue is i'm a standoff and he's a standoff so i'd likely be on the bench <laughs> So it's tough to, I'd, move, I'd move Carter out to 12, Jason have him outside me, I'd be at 10. Um, I'm going to go all New Zealand, so second person, Aaron Smith, best nine in the world, probably for the last five or six years, service is unbelievable. So Best what in the world? Service. Sorry, you're sitting next to him, he's just going me. Sorry, second best service, behind Paddy Boy, obviously. It's all good. It's all good, it's all good. And third, uh, Joe Rocococo, uh, winger for New Zealand a while ago. Unbelievable feet work, unbelievable player. He'd have been cool to play alongside and try and get an end of some tries if I could keep up though. So. Do you know what? That's like an endless list, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, we, we, could have, we could have chatted about that for ages. There's so many players, but... Yeah. We've spoken for too long for this podcast. <laughs> we'll maybe talk about some more rugby next week. <laughs> and on that note, we'll just close off there. Thank you very much to Katie Donaldson for joining us and good to see Gregor back as well, COVID-free. See you next week.